Hello everyone and welcome to an exclusive podcast brought to you by VJ Hemonk. Today, we will be covering the latest updates in flip-free mutated AML from the ASH 2021 annual meeting with Neville Dava from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston and Yuni Swang from the Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center in Buffalo. In this podcast, they discuss findings from the LASPIG trial of gilteritinib in combination with azacitidine, as well as potential triplet combinations under investigation. We're here at the uh, ASH 2021 meeting. It's a great pleasure uh, to be here discussing some of the hot AML topics with my friend and colleague, Dr. Eunice Wang. Um, so one of the things that I think at this ASH, there's a lot of data emerging on is different therapies for the FLT3 uh, mutation. So of course we have the established single agent FLT3 inhibitors in salvage, but now there's a lot of effort to combine those, whether it's in the front line or the relapsed refractory setting. And, and Eunice, you'll be presenting on the uh, azagiltritinib versus azacitidine frontline uh, data. So, as the lead author on that and a lot of experience in the FLT3 space, what are your thoughts on frontline development for FLT3 inhibitors? Do we incorporate these with AZAVEN? Is there a role for AZAFLT3? Are we still going to use AZAVEN? What are your thoughts? So, I think up until now, the treatment for patients with FLT3 mutant disease has been suboptimal. We do know that venanoclax azacitidine works very well in that patient population, but we also know through subsequent studies that the FLT3 mutation can be a mechanism of therapy resistance and failure to venaza and that some patients who have FLT3 mutations are going to have shorter response times. Um, I think there was some data from MD Anderson saying that patients, for example, that had FLT3 ITD mutations with high allelic burden may not have benefited as much from venaza as other subcategories. So the Lacewing study uh, being presented here is a study which was halted in the interim analysis. Uh, it was randomizing older, unfit patients who could not get intensive chemotherapy to either gilteritinib, which is a, a new generation FLT3 inhibitor used in the relapse setting, and azacitidine versus azacitidine alone. This study was initiated prior to the approval of venanoclax azacitidine. That did not represent a standard of care at that time. So the question was, could we add a FLT3 inhibitor for treatment of these patients and improve overall survival? Now, the ultimate analysis showed that there was no difference in overall survival between the patients getting gilteritinib aza versus azacitidine cytidine alone. However, there were some important lessons that we saw. For example, the overall response rate of patients who received gilteritinib azacitidine was 58%, and that compared very favorably with less than 20% in the aza alone group. We also saw that patients that had that FLT3 ITD allelic ratio that was very, very high seemed to have significantly longer event-free survival than patients that had azacitidine alone. And patients who were fit enough uh, and we're not uh, having low performance that has also appeared to benefit and have uh, more uh, or prolonged e event-free survival with the gilteritinib azacitidine combination. Also importantly, there was no new safety signal, so we didn't see any new side effects or tolerability. Both groups tolerated it fine. And interestingly enough, when you look at the patients that got azacitidine alone, a number of them, when they didn't respond to the azacitidine, then went on to get subsequent 
therapy, and a number of those patients actually went on to get subsequent gilteritinib. So we don't know whether the, the addition of gilteritinib in a sequential fashion could have muddied the waters in terms of that being a true control group when you look at overall survival. What the lessons we're going to do, and I, I think, Naval, your, uh, your, your group at MD Anderson yourself have been involved in, in, in new, newer therapies, triplets. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about some of the triplet therapy that you and others have been doing. Yeah, no, I, and I think just to get back to your point, I think this is an issue we're going to see across the board in AML is, you know, now that we have good salvage options, and we saw this with the azacitine inositinib randomized study too, that, you know, even though azacitine inositinib more than doubled the CR, doubled the EFS, the OS was the same, and that was because people got salvaged with venetoclax or IDH exactly. and relapse. Right. And so I think the OS endpoint itself now is very questionable, something that multiple myeloma, for example, 10 years found out and moved on to things like PFS or MRD clearance or yes. CR because, you know, you can salvage these people and as you said, the giltritinib given later may have uh, muddied the outcome. Uh, so yeah, I, I think the big question, as you mentioned, is azavenetoclax, yes, frontline new standard, but survival is less than 12 months in the frontline for right. the FLIT3 subset. That's a subset, of course, it's not randomized for that and so the question is, can we improve on that? And really the first step was we did a venetoclax giltritinib study that you're aware and familiar and have worked on and that in the relapse setting is showing very, very good response rates, close to 80% CRC with about 60% of them with FLIT3 molecular clearance. So that made us feel confident that preclinically the synergy of venetoclax FLIT3 is now being mirrored in the clinic. And then the next step was, can we move it frontline? And we have a couple of presentations here from Dr. Short in our group and from Dr. Yilmaz also in our group, where we're now looking at combination HMA venetoclax with giltritinib, HMA venetoclax quizartinib, the so-called triplets. And right. you know, no doubt the remission as well as the molecular clearance, the true CR rate, all of those look much better, again, comparing it within institution to our experience with HMA and HMA FLIT3, but there is increased myelosuppression. I think that's going to be the question is, you know, how to balance it. I think for big sites that have very good monitoring, blood counts, you can do labs three times a week, prophylactic antibacterial antifungals, a lot of expertise, dose adjustments of VEN, I think it's a great option. And, you know, for us at MD Anderson, all our frontline, we are putting on some form of triplet on trial. But is it ready for prime time community use? I don't know. I think we still need more mature data. We need more follow-up. And eventually, I think we need some form of maybe randomized phase two or larger multi-center experience with that, whether it's with HMA-VEN giltritinib or HMA-VEN uh, quizartinib. But I do think that there is a potential for that to uh, become a very effective approach uh, in the future. I um, think so. I think that's great. I mean, we have all these tools in our toolbox. Yeah. We should combine them. I think do you think that there might be down the line sort of sort of like an just like we do in intensive chemotherapy maybe like an induction phase where you get like all three drugs and then once you clear maybe some maintenance strategies maybe with these right. oral agents i mean there's a lot of ways that we can tinker with this to make it something that is more tolerable but i think that seeing you know 80 100% response rates in acute myeloid leukemia unfit patients not getting intensive chemo is i think a game changer that's something that we wouldn't have imagined a few years ago was possible, and I think combining targeted and low-dose therapy yeah. has really, really changed things in, in our perspective. Yeah, and you know, and, and as you said, there's more things we can do. There are oral options coming out, right? Yeah. So, of course, we have to look at them in trials, but could we have, you know, three, four years from now, a fully oral regimen, oral decidabine, venetoclax, giltritinib for a frontline, you know, FLIT3ML with, like you said, 80, 90% response, MRD clearance. I mean, if you look 10 years ago, I don't think anybody would have bet their money that we could potentially even think of that, right? So. 
uh, we're not there, but maybe, maybe in the future. I know. I think there's a lot of interest and enthusiasm. I think my patients ask me almost every day, is there an oral azacitidine they could take with the oral venanoclax, two pills to right. get their leukemia into an, in, in remission and to keep it in remission. Uh, we add on a, a third pill, a, a FLT3 inhibitor, and exactly. and and, uh, and I think that that there that there's a. I, I think you should all stay tuned because I think in the next couple ASH meetings we're going to start to see uh, more and more of that. Yeah, and and as you said, you know, when we talk about these triplets, uh, you know, whether it's a true triplet long term, which I think is very difficult to deliver. We have the experience with that, or as you said, is it a initial push, get molecular clearance, MRD negativity, and then you move to something. And the good thing is, you know, we are all working on these trial designs, and and hopefully we'll have more information uh, in the future. And uh, also, I think in the FLT3, it's important to mention, although there's no data at ASH, but we know that Quisartinib, you know, which we've all worked with and think is a very powerful drug, we just now had a press release uh, a few weeks ago showing that in the frontline setting, Quisartinib added to intensive chemo appears to improve the overall survival primary endpoint. We don't know the details. Those will hopefully be public in a few months. But I think this is great news because just like CML, you know, the more TKIs we have, exactly. the more selection. You know, some patients have GI issues. Quisartinib could be better. Some have cardiac. Giltritinib could be better. You're working on cronolinib. Maybe you want to mention what's happening, where that's going. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a new generation of these FLT3 inhibitors of which giltritinib is, is the poster child for much more potent, much more specific, targeting specifically the mutant FLT3. I know there's even newer ones in development now as well. Um, and um, I think these newer ones are going to replace mitostorin because mitostorin is really a drug that was developed, I would have to say, probably 10, 15 more than that years ago. It works. The fact that it works in induction chemotherapy and enhances the result is impressive. But now that we have specifically rationally designed FLT3 inhibitors, I see it, um, all of these newer FLT3 inhibitors potentially supplanting uh, mitostorin. And, and we're already, as we saw with the quantum first study, although that didn't include mitostorin, starting to see that data emerge. When you look at the phase two studies, all of the newer generation FLT3 inhibitors have uh, overall CR rates of 80% or better, uh, as opposed to 55, 59% with mitostorin. So I cannot imagine that I would be very surprised a 20% difference uh, would not be borne out in some of these phase three trials that are ongoing right now. Yeah. Well, I think with that, uh, you know, we've had a nice discussion on FLIT3 and um, hope you all enjoy the meeting and a lot of other things that will hopefully come out for AML and ASH. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you to our speakers and to you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app, including Apple, Podbean and Spotify, so we can continue to deliver our expert-led content directly to you. Follow us on Twitter at VJHemong to join in the conversation and visit VJHemong.com for the latest updates in the field.